0: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the WILX Sports Blitz podcast. I am John Gustin, and we are continuing to round out introducing you all to the News 10 sports team. And here with me right now is a very special guest, Fred Human. Fred, it's been great talking with you and getting to know you over the last few days, and I'm really happy to have you aboard here at News 10
1: hey thanks john nice to be with you and nice to be here i have a lot of experience in this market including at wilx before uh when i was cutting my teeth in my career and it's great to be back and it's great to be with you
0: and it's just another lansing legend joining news 10 which is an incredible (laughs) incredible thing to have and i know that there was a lot of people when it was first announced that you were coming to wilx that reached out to news 10 to tell us how happy they were to hear that you were staying in lansing And it's great to have somebody else to talk all sorts of Lansing, mid-Michigan sports.
1: Tim and Tim Stout and I go way back. Uh, I was at WLX the first time in the early 1980s working for him. He lured me over from the other station to be the weekend anchor at WLX. And I spent three years there, and Tim and I had a lot of laughs. Uh, We became good friends. And it remains so over the years, even though we were quote unquote competitors in this market, we've always been very friendly. And he was uh, one of the first people to reach out to me uh, when he knew I was uh, job searching and staying in Michigan and particularly staying in the Lansing area was a high priority of mine. I didn't start pursuing other markets and you know I wasn't gonna move to Dayton or Indianapolis or, or Fort Wayne or anything like that. Michigan is my home, it's where I've spent my whole life. I've never lived a day out of Michigan other on other than on visits, and this is home to me and and so I've been fortunate enough, and it's rare in our business to stay in your home state very much the so. whole time in your career and and that's a blessing, and I consider it so. And so it's nice to continue it uh, right here at WLX.
0: Now, as you allude you go back quite a ways with the Lansing area. Can you share with me what are some of your favorite memories you've had covering sports in the region and in the area?
1: Well, I, a lot of it is covering Lansing from Detroit. I spent 17 years in Detroit, in the in, in at the three stations in that market. So I've been almost at every station in the state. Uh, if I play lotto numbers, they go they go six, 10, 12, two, four, seven, and 14 in college. So those were <laughs> all the stations I worked at. I haven't hit the lottery yet. So I continue to work, but yeah, I've kind of been all over, which is good and bad. Uh, just certain different circumstances. I, Tim's case, he stayed at two stations his whole 50 years. I've been in it 39 years at seven or eight different stations, just through a series of circumstances. But I started my first job, was in lansing at uh, at then wjim which is now wlns i spent like a year there went over to wilx as the weekend sports anchor uh working for and with tim then i went on to flint for three years and then 17 years in detroit then back here to what is now wlns channel six in lansing spent 17 years there uh left over a year ago about a year and a half ago took like a year off from the business. I kind of kept my hand in it and radio and podcasts and whatnot, uh, and then came back here full circle to WILX where it kind of all started, you know, 37 years ago. So it's, it's different. The business changes, the station's different, uh, but Tim's still there and I'm back. And we got a good staff with uh, Tim and my, myself and, and Kellen and Buddy and uh, Natalie Kerwin. So it's been fun to get back in the loop. It's just learning the ropes right now, technically. I know what I'm doing on the air. It's behind the scenes that i got to try to catch up to in the modern times.
0: Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know the difference between hopping between some different stations, it could be a little bit like switching from like a Windows computer to a Mac computer if you oh, never yeah. used the other one before. They all do the same stuff, but everyone right. has a little bit different ways of how they go about it.
1: Yeah, and that's the growing pains I'm having now, to be quite frank with you. The editing system uh, at, at WILX is similar to where I came from, but it's not exact. So I'm trying to figure out all the intricacies of that. And I'm bothering way too many people in the newsroom who have been very helpful and very cooperative. And uh, Kellen and uh, Natalie right now are not even working in the office. So that's been a little disadvantage to me because I'm sure if they were in the office, they'd be showing me the ropes. But uh, they're working from home under the COVID circumstances. And I understand that. So I'm like a a child in the wilderness some days, but people have been very helpful from the newsroom and Tim has, and, and trying to help me out. But that's, that's been a process here now learning the things you just discussed, the technical differences from where I came to where I am now, but I'll get it down. I'll, I'll eventually get it. I'm not a kid. Uh, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of old fashioned (laughs) as, as anyone knows if you're my age and you need to new learn technology you don't ask your elders, you ask your kids. <laughs> because my kids and my grandchildren know more about that stuff than and I do, and that's kind of the nature of the beast now in society.
0: Yeah, very much so. I mean, even I myself have been here since I started up after previous stop up north, I came to WILX in September, and it, it felt like it took me like maybe two, maybe even early last month, really December, just a while before it felt like it was muscle memory and it was I, I caught back up again and I don't know, maybe it felt even more confusing because like, I know exactly what I want to do, and I know how I could do it, but right. I can't follow this new path. It's it's weird because it's not just learning something new. You're unlearning everything again and then putting yeah. in a new system. Which
1: oh, well, every, Everything you just said is music to my ears because it's been a <laughs> month for me, and I feel like I'm a slow learner, and I get frustrated with myself. But if you're telling me it's been that long and you've just recently adapted to it, maybe there's hope for me too.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... And learning new systems and picking up new things, that's a standard point for sports. You bring in a new coaching staff, you bring in some new players, and there's going to be some turnover. People are going to have to unlearn things, learn new languages. So it's not overly different. And right now, the teams we're going to be talking about today, the Pistons and Michigan State Athletics, two of the three of those teams have recently undergone new coaching changes or are about to in the case of the Lions. And yeah, we thought... you said the
1: Pistons. You meant the Lions, obviously, right?
0: Yes, yes. Well, the, the Pistons are going through other changes within the yeah, youth movement job. itself. that's another another show. That's a complete <laughs> other. And the timing of this, too. Killian Hayes, as of, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday, fell and hurt a pop in his hip, and it's a torn labrum, which is the same kind of joint in your shoulder, but in your hip. And who knows? I've heard everything that's a four- to six-week injury, where if it's not severe, you can just do some physical therapy and bounce back. To where, if you get surgery, it's maybe four to six months. And this is the yeah. same injury that knocked Isaiah Thomas—not the Isaiah Thomas, but Boston's Isaiah Thomas—that derailed his career after his heroic performance in the playoffs a few years ago. So, hey, Detroit—the point guard curse ever since trading Chauncey Billups continues. But that yeah. the breaking down the Pistons is a whole other move. It's it's the Lions that Patricia is gone. And for Michigan State, Mel Tucker is now in. He just went through a very unusual year with so many changes, both on the field and everything happening behind the scenes. And then for Tom Izzo, there are a few changes as well. It's mostly a roster turnover. Tom Izzo, he continues to learn and adapt as well. So I've got a resolution first up for will be for Mel Tucker. My resolution for Mel Tucker and his team will be to... Mix it up and uh, don't be afraid to try new things. A lot of the theme through this season for Michigan State was them dealing with who's holding over, who will you stick with, who are you trying to play with, and a large part of that was Rocky Lombardi. Rocky. Had some really high highs beating the University of Michigan, having some really big throws downfield. He also had some really bad throws, and people had been pushing to see Peyton Thorne. Peyton Thorne eventually popped up near the end of the season, but it was kind of a little too late there for him to really have a chance to get his feet wet and to have an impact. There's also some issues with the running back situation, with Connor Hayward getting a lot of the snaps, but Hayward was not very effective. And then Jordan Simmons came on late, and then Elijah Collins got a few touches but didn't seem to go nowhere fast. There are also a few interesting times where Tucker would play it really really safe. There were moments in the game where it was crucial that they need to score late in the fourth, to try to stay in it to stay competitive and the ball would be punted away. So overall, weighing all those things together, Mixing it up, trying new things, being a little bit more adventurous here and there to try to find what works earlier on, especially with all the new transfers coming in. For me, Fred, that's my New Year's resolution for Mel Tucker.
1: Yeah, that's multifaceted. If I had to narrow it down to one and it all goes into finding an identity for his football program, I think they need to find a quarterback who is a stud quarterback, whether it be on the roster or through recruiting or through the portal. Now. Is it Peyton Thorne because Rocky Lombardi, I never thought Rocky Lombardi was going to be uh, the effective leader and quarterback and the identity of this team going into the future. He's a nice player, but I never thought he was consistent enough or effective enough to be the guy. And he ended up transferring to Northern Illinois. So is it Peyton Thorne or is it this Hampton Fay, who is a six foot five, 210 pound recruit coming in from Fort Worth, Texas? my my resolution would be to find a quarterback that gives your team an identity and the quarterback position is so important now really in all of football you've seen it at the pro level but in college football too even more so than back in in the day i think the effective teams the teams that you see playing this weekend for the national championship or at least Monday night, and and the teams that you see are power five football teams. They all have a quarterback who gives the team an identity. Michigan State, and we're not going to go into Michigan today, but frankly, that's been an issue for them under Jim Harbaugh. Michigan State has not had an identity at quarterback like they did when they had, say, Kirk Cousins or Connor Cook. And oh, by the way, those two both played on championship teams. I think the quarterback position is that essential. So there's my number one resolution for Michigan State in the next 12, 16 months, and it'll be a process, is to find a quarterback who gives your team an identity and gives your program an identity. And as I say, if it's Peyton Thorne, fine. If it's Hampton uh, Faye, if he's ready, find but they've got to find that that position is so important and you know the other thing is uh, in relation to that not necessarily a quarterback is it's, it's a new game in college football it's not just recruiting now it's exercising what's there for you in the transfer portal. Now, this week, Mel Tucker has already gotten uh, one player, Kenneth Walker, from the portal. Uh, and 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 they're kind of like, I mean, players don't grow on trees, but in the transfer portal, it almost seems like they do. So, you know. Especially this year, too,
0: with the COVID protocols allowing not oh, no only question. people to transfer, to, but instantly transfer. Right.
1: Right. And and a lot of those guys are eligible right away. Now, you look at Michigan State's football schedule, they open at Northwestern, they have their toughest games next year on the road. Who knows if fans will be in the stands yet, I hope so. Northwestern, Ohio State, and Michigan are all road games for the Spartans next season. And you can't go in there with a maybe quarterback. You've gotta go in there and find a guy and identify the guy that can win big games, win big games on the road, Can lead your football team. And as I said, give your program an identity right now. They don't have that yet. It may be Peyton Thorne, but they don't have that yet. And I think that's that I think that is whether you call it a resolution or, or number one priority for Michigan state. I think that's it. Uh, they've got to find a guy that can lead their program into the near future because that's, that's what they had when they won championships. And that's what they need to get back again in my mind.
0: Right. And Anthony Russo, we're talking to the transfer portal. He's coming in, but he's not going to have very much eligibility uh, with what's happening. He's coming in as possibly, what, a sixth year quarterback. I mean, in terms of just everything that's happened with the extra year of eligibility and redshirting, he's he's an answer for someone to help, you know, write the table and, and set the tone. But you are spot on. They need to find a young gun and go with him.
1: Yeah, they need somebody who's going to be the quarterback for the next three or four years. That's what they need. Uh, I suppose if he's the best guy, then he can play and they can groom under him. But again, to give them an identity moving into the future, I'd prefer it be one of the kids. Uh, and, 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 and if Peyton Thorne or Hampton Fay, or, you know, they have like six quarterbacks on the roster. They've got to find that guy, groom that guy. Develop that guy and make him the leader of your program. It's it's not as I it, you know as I said a moment ago. It's not coincidence that all these Power Five programs that are playing for national championships and are going ten and 2, 11 and one every year have supreme, premier quarterbacks. Uh, and, and you know it happens at Ohio State. It's happened at Clemson. It happened at Notre Dame. All those people, Alabama. All those people have premier quarterbacks who are leaders and are the foundation and that identity of the program. Michigan state doesn't have that right now. To me, that's resolution uh, number one uh, heading into this new calendar year.
0: Well, Fred, that covers the resolution for the Michigan state football team. Now I'm going to move to the hard court Tom Izzo's basketball squad. It's been an interesting season. It really, you could say that about almost any team right now that there is a lot of unique challenges to overcome and develop. Michigan State, their biggest challenge, they are trying to rediscover themselves after losing two all-Big Ten players, Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, two NBA players now, and they have left massive gaps at the point guard position and at center. So far, we've seen kind of some experimentation. As of this recording, Michigan State is 8-3, 2-3 and three in the Big Ten. All those losses coming into the Big Ten play after having a really, really solid non-conference start. The big, most recent change has been switching Rocket Watts from the starting point guard to now a shooting guard coming off the bench with uh, A.J. Hogard, the freshman who had meniscus surgery in the offseason, the tall freshman as well, uh, coming in a little bit big too at 220, which is an unusual size 6'3 for a point guard, especially in the Big Ten. He's been starting... The ship's been steadying. For me, what I'm seeing across the board is uh, Michigan State, my New Year's resolution, get back to Spartan basketball. It's something Tom Izzo himself has echoed, but playing hard defense and going after rebounds, being very, very physical. Those two hallmarks of all great Michigan State teams under Tom Izzo, I think those are going to be the real big keys for this team. The offense it's going to be there. You've got you know, Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown, Langford has looked surprisingly good considering all the injuries he's had to deal with. And he seems to be getting more and more back in his step after every game rocket Watts. He's a walking bucket when it's going right. There's a lot of talented big men on this team too. I think it's just, if the team can double down on getting the rebounds and playing physical defense, everything else will click into place.
1: Yeah, John, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm obviously I'm surprised. I'm surprised. They started 0 3 in the Big Ten. That just doesn't happen often around here, maybe every 25 years. I am not as surprised that they've had adjustment problems and trying to figure out a rotation because every time they start in the preseason and go crazy and go 6 and 0 like they did, everyone around here, meaning the Lansing area and in the state, wants to start crowning them as national championship caliber, final four team. And I always think that's an overreaction. As I've said, from the day last season ended, and it ended prematurely because of COVID. You do not lose two NBA draft choices, second round draft choices, and get better or stay the same. And I don't care how good your recruiting class is, and I don't care what kind of star power you have, losing Cassius Winston Xavier Tillman, who were two go-to guys all the time. How many times did Cassius Winston bail them out with a big shot? A big steal a big free throw a key play i mean he was the ultimate i don't think he's going to be a big impact nba player uh but he was a high impact college player you don't lose that and stay the same so what iso has to do now is find a rotation that works and as you alluded to he made that early season adjustment by inserting aj hogart into that into that point guard position now uh A.J. Horgaard could not defend like Rocket Watts can. Rocket Watts is already kind of a lockdown defender and A.J. isn't there yet. But it seems to in the last few games have worked and Rocket was uh, was not comfortable playing the point and who starts in these games has never been it, that significant it's kind of a it's kind of a, oh, a pride thing but you know with the with Izzo's rotation it's usually seven eight nine sometimes ten deep probably more like ten deep this year uh, you know, because of circumstances, it has to be. You never knew who you might lose because of COVID. At any rate, with his rotation, who starts isn't as important as who contributes and what kind of mix they have. So the resolution for me would be for ISO to find a rotation, get Hogarth adjusted to that point position. Aaron Henry, uh, who is a premier player, who even debated going to the NBA in the offseason, he has to become a consistent night in, night out player. He can't have 29 point games and then six point games with seven with seven or 10 turnovers. He ha- I mean, and, and again, you can't expect him to be a Cassius Winston type player, but that's what Cassius Winston gave you. You could count on him every single night. And even if he wasn't scoring, he was doing something to make your team better. And he made other players better. Uh, Aaron Henry is not there yet. He's a, he's a nice athlete, a really good player, but not a consistent player. And I would almost say the same thing about Joey Hauser, the transfer. You know, he, when he's on, he's on. And sometimes he just loses his jumper, and I don't think he's in a comfort zone yet. So I think Aaron Henry and Joey Hauser, to reflect what we said about football, have to become the leaders and identity of this program. Langford has been a, a nice addition as his return because I don't think anyone expected him to contribute this year. No, I think not all, all people, including Tom Izzo, thought his career was over, um, at least at the college level. And he's been a, a nice addition to come back. And he's, especially in the last few games, has given them a real spark and that would elevate their status. But they're not there yet. They're a work in progress. And I'm not shocked, as I said, that they've had to adjust losing two players in the NBA.
0: No. And I think there's, I've seen a tendency with Tom Izzo teams over the years where they will go on a streak and they will rack up a bunch of wins in a row, but each win it kind of you see there's a little bit more and more edge lost and then they get their butts handed to them Izzo lights into them. I'm sure they go through some of the hardest practices uh, and if Izzo could put out the football pass for them, he would, but they would be at that level and then they get back in shape and come back. This year was kind of unexpected considering that it wasn't, okay, you lost Northwestern, all right, forget about it, you're going to come back, bounce back, and hit Wisconsin. They didn't, and then again, at Minnesota. Now, Nebraska, Rutgers. Rutgers was a really good team in the Big Ten this year. They're a top-20 team, and Aaron Henry had his second-best game in the season against them. I think, for me, maybe what I've seen is that moving AJ more of a national pass first player to the starting lineup and giving him just a little bit more minutes because initially he was the third guy back behind lawyer giving a pass first guy more more touches this is now i think allowing Aaron Henry to maybe come more into his own and we've seen his last two games against Nebraska and Rutgers with 27 points and now 20 points uh take the you know some of the most shots on the team and really filling it out so i think this team, it probably will go as far as Aaron Henry can take you. And Aaron Henry, everything you're looking at, he's your modern player that you want in terms of just where basketball is gone. With You want a wing out there. He's 6'6". He can shoot it. He can do it off the dribble. He can attack. He can defend. So whatever they can do to get the most out of Aaron Henry will be as far as this Michigan State team will go. And then Michigan State teams, too, it's almost interesting where you've had teams with Denzel Valentine or Draymond Green where they hit their senior years and they they flame out in the tournament early on. And the teams that go the farthest are the unheralded players because everyone's just playing together uh, for their team. So I'm wondering, I haven't seen it yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if this team figures it out. Though at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised too if this team you know doesn't ever quite get there without all the things that have been moving parts and the pieces maybe just don't quite fit together.
1: Yeah, I think, and that's part of why he has to find that rotation that works and a combination and the minutes. The, the other difference is this year, John, is and the Big Ten has been pretty strong, but it's never been as strong as it is this year. Mm-hmm. And you're playing all Big Ten teams now, and you look at the, what Michigan's off to and how they annihilated Minnesota this week, a team that Minnesota just manhandled Michigan State a few weeks ago, and you look at these other, you know, Wisconsin and Illinois and the other teams in the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten has never been, they've been top heavy before, but they've never been this strong like one through eight. And you put Northwestern in that mix. I mean, Michigan State is going to have, you know, it sounds like coach talk, but they are literally going to have to battle every night in this league. Now, they passed the the test against a very improved Rutgers team this week, winning by, what, 23 points. But this is gonna happen night in, night out, week in, week out. And there's not, a, there's not a break. It used to be you'd get a three game stretch where you're, you're gonna win two by, by blowouts and you're playing some cupcakes. They're just, they don't exist in the Big 10 right now. Top to bottom, this is as strong as I remember this league being. And even if you take the bottom out and you say one through eight, uh, I mean, there could be 10, 11 teams from this conference make the Big 10 tournament. That's not an exaggeration, that's not a stretch. So I've never seen it this strong and whether this younger team and this untested team, this cast of players who haven't faced this kind of pressure before is up to it or not, will be the big question as we move forward.
0: Yeah, just just really just expanding on your point there on how deep this Big Ten uh, conference is. Iowa's right now number five. Wisconsin's number eight. Michigan's number ten. Illinois's number twelve. Rutgers number fifteen, and then Michigan State down at twenty three. And then you've got Ohio State, Northwestern, and Indiana. They're all receiving votes as well. It's it's incredibly stacked. It's it's kind of the inverse. Tom Mizzo, you usually see him play a really, really hard non-conference schedule. Well, the really, really hard schedule this year, it's in conference. And whoever is going to come out of the Big Ten, it's going to be a bloodbath.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and un, Unlike ever ever before. Uh, because, as you said, uh, yeah, the preseason schedule. He purposely scheduled these teams, and he knew he was scheduling some losses. But it always allowed his team to get better and to peak in March. Well, they don't have the non-conference schedule they've had, partly due to COVID, and they've lost some games. I mean, lost some playing some games. They did beat Duke, but Duke isn't isn't what Duke has always been. We've seen that now. So now every game in the conference is going to be what used to be the preseason test, but the same formula could get the Spartans there because by playing this tough schedule in the Big Ten, uh, Izzo's a master at this, and he's a master at matchups, and they play most teams twice twice. It could get them to be peaking at the right time again. That remains to be seen.
0: And finally, we're going to go a little bit to the southeast. We're going to go back to Detroit, a year-old stomping ground, the Lions. They're they're the final team we're talking about with a lot of turnovers and changes. For them, it's their head coach. Patricia was fired midseason after another embarrassing Thanksgiving Day game, a Lions tradition unlike any other. and. <laughs> Now, Daryl Bevel, he looked solid as an offensive coordinator, but I don't think anyone is expecting him to get the full-time job. He did interview Eric Bieniemy was the other name, the big name that I've seen recently that interviewed for the coaching job. They're also looking for GMs. I'd be really happy if it's Bieniemy, but for me, the resolution for the Lions pick a direction. You know, make up your mind. They need to figure out whether they are going to go all in on Stafford or if they are going to go full rebuild. And it needs to be done. Stafford, boy, did he get beat up this year with at least three different injuries between the hand, the ribs, the ankle. My goodness. I. It reminded me a few years ago of when the, the Lions teams with the and Sue and everybody would go beat up on Jay Cutler and Jay Cutler would just run for his life. And I felt sympathy for that man. And it felt like anytime Stafford would go out there this year, I, I was scared for his health. And I'm just looking at the stats, pulling up a pro football reference. I was curious, how often did Stafford get hit compared to his peers at the position? Stafford looking at it right now, 37 hits on the year. That puts him at 14, which I would have thought Stafford, considering all the things that happened to him, it would have been higher. Now, I think that that might also be a little bit more decreased because uh, the number of games he appeared in and the number of snaps he had, uh, that was shrunk down. But overall, the numbers for pressures... He's number 10 at 122. At the times he's pressured percentage-wise at number 17. The advanced stats don't say that Stafford really had a dirty pocket. It's just, I don't know if it's luck catching up with him or what's happening here. But if the Lions are going to keep Stafford around, they're going to need to make some serious upgrades on the offensive line. They they have some f- fine players that are just okay there between you know, Taylor Decker and Joe Dahl and Frank Ragnow, but none of those guys are truly who I would be interested in protecting a $30, $40 million quarterback right now. And so they they either have to double down the receivers, I think looks fine. If we're just talking only in offense, it looks like they get a stable of backs. They got to keep Stafford healthy. Or if it's time for everyone to part ways and Stafford to, to go seek a greener pastures and to, to not retire before the end of his career, unlike other Lions bests like Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. If he moves on, then the Lions, they'll need to figure out if they decide to spend a first-round pick this year or if they want to try to spend this year as a building year to try to juice that pick. But either way, they either got to go all in or go all out.
1: Yeah, the, the thing it is, though, it's it's Stafford controls this now, and I, I think he's going to move on. I was in the camp last year to draft Tua. Now, I had no idea how good Justin Herbert was going to no. be. In hindsight, that would have been the great pick and he'd be the heir apparent to Matthew Stafford and you'd go on for the next 15 years because you'd have another Stafford back there. I'm not sure Tua is going to turn out to be that guy, but I think quarterback, whether it's the kid from Ohio State or whatever, has to be in the mix this year. I felt it should have been last year to have somebody groom over Stafford who's had health issues the last three seasons. and with his back problems he's really one season maybe one play away from 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 reaching the end because he has issues there and now he has more health issues some of that would be healed in the off season at any rate they have to groom somebody to to move on past the stafford era whether it's next august and september or it's the following one and if stafford's not here right now they're in big trouble Uh, If he does move on, they don't have anyone waiting in the wings uh, ready to take over right away. So that's why I would have taken a quarterback last year. But their bigger need is for leadership in the front office. Obviously, a coach is important, but they've got to hire a president slash GM. And hopefully, Chris Spielman will put his teeth into this in terms of who they hire. They've got to get somebody with a reputation somebody with a pedigree. I mean, the, the years of leadership in this organization, you know, from Russ Thomas, who was simply a friend of William Clay Ford, helped him through some personal problems and ended up running the organization for 20 years. Martin Mayhew, Matt Millen, who told Mr. Ford, the late Mr. Ford, I'm not, qualified for this position, and Ford told him, yes, you are. And then he turned out to be a mammoth failure at the top. And even Bob Quinn, who had the New England pedigree, but he had the New England pedigree in a personnel position. He hadn't run an organization. They've got to find somebody who can be a bona fide leader of this organization, and they got to stop hiring friends of the family. Rod Wood is their president, doesn't know a thing about football, and he's the face of the organization right now. That's why I'm glad Spielman's there. Rod Wood was a, a legal friend of the Ford family. They got to get away from this hiring friends and they've got to put the organization, uh, they have to put in charge of the organization, somebody with a pedigree and somebody who has done it and somebody that NFL teams want to hire. It's no secret and, it, and it's it, and, it, and, it, and it's not coincidental that the people either on the sidelines as the head coach or in the front office as president and GM, never find employment anywhere else after the Lions. Get somebody that other people covet. That's what they have to do moving forward, and the quarterback position will work itself out. But they've gotta get proper leadership in this organization because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my 60s, uh, and this has gone on for the whole six decades that I've been a fan of and covered the Lions. And yesterday, as we record this, uh, it was the 28th year anniversary of their last playoff victory. I mean, come on. This is ineptitude at its finest, and they've got to find a leader for this organization.
0: I can't agree more. And I think for any team out there that ever tried to do anything, the Patriots coaching tree or anything like that, I think we've seen that the secret sauce for the Patriots, it's a combination of Belichick and it's a combination of Tom Brady. And outside of that, Nobody else is really going to see success if you're trying to duplicate that. There's only one Bill Belichick, and there's only one Tom Brady. And yeah. Unless you are bringing in Bill Belichick, or you have the chance to hire him right away and not fire him like the Browns, you're out of luck. So the, the thing that gives me maybe a little bit of hope is that I believe the um, Martha and William's daughter is taking over the team in terms of the operations, and that there has been a GM uh, search panel assembled with Barry Sanders and along with Spielman, uh, Chris Spielman, former Lion. And then also someone that we both know of very well and someone you probably have had a few interactions with over the years, Mark Hollis popping up there as well. And I think all three of those men are intelligent. And if they are allowed to do their job and to help guide a search and not just pick the buddy, I think that bodes well for this organization to actually take the power a little bit away from the ownership's hand and to make the best decision out of what's being told of people who know the game and know the business.
1: Yeah. I actually texted Mark Hollis the day he was added as an advisor. And I said, I want to be GM of the lions. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but he and Barry are more in advisory com- capacity and they're probably have some value to them. But the big guy in that is Spielman, who, who is more than an advisor on this. In fact, uh, within 24 hours, and I was glad to hear this, within 24 hours where he got this job, he left the, the network broadcast booth immediately and immediately searched for a home in Detroit. I mean, he has his heart vested into this organization. He wore the lion on his chest. This means something to him. So he's not, hopefully, he's going to not let them repeat the mistakes of the past i mean he was looking for a home the day he was named so he's not just an advisor he's going to have a, a position here with some impact and they need somebody like that they need somebody who understands what the long suffering has been here and and they need somebody who understands that there's a pride in being a lion even with all of their blunderous moves over the year and their are they're unbelievably Uh, woefully short seasons he understands and knows enough people that can help get them there so that to me that was the biggest thing the Lions did was get him in the mix whatever role he has if it's just in terms of getting the right person in there if it's in terms of getting the culture back to where now he played on some decent lion teams uh, and really since the 50s probably the best lion era in those in those early and mid 90s so he has some experience with success but the blundering that's gone on since he and Barry have left this organization, uh, you know, it's just, and Calvin Johnson, it's just, I mean, I feel like a broken record because everyone in the state that follows the line talks about it, but they have to find a dynamic, leader with a personality and not another bob quinn not another martin mayhew not another russ thomas not a friend of the family they need to find somebody with teeth and guts and kutzpah and somebody who can give this organization an identity
0: and what a world it is when the Browns are having more success than the Lions. I know the Lions, it's always the Lions, and they haven't won in the Super Bowl era. They won beforehand. But the fact that the Browns are now actually reaching a point where you can be excited about that team. They have a quarterback. They're going to the playoffs. They have a good trajectory. It looks like they've got a good organization with Andrew Barry in there and Stefanski as the head coach. And then you're sitting here in Detroit saying, wait, we've had the quarterback for, for a decade now. How how have we not done this?
1: The Browns are there, John, because they hired the right people. No, they hired a lot of the wrong people along the way. Oh, very much they, so. They finally hired the right people. They have a dynamic head coach who other organizations now covet. They have leadership at the top. They have a quarterback who should be their quarterback for 10 years. All the things the Lions are woefully void of. I mean Stafford had a wonderful career here, but he's long in the tooth now. And it's probably time you not pay thirty or forty million dollars to him at the end of the rope and you find somebody else to move the organization into the future. And I'm a Matt Stafford guy. I get upset when people criticize him. I think he's a warrior. I think he's had a terrific career here. He's been a victim of the blunderous front office decisions, but his time is probably becoming past and he's getting a little brittle in his age, as tough as he is, a lot of guys wouldn't play with some of the maladies Matt Safford has and, and the fact that he played in these last three games that were basically meaningless to the Lions shows me something about his character, but it's probably time to move on from him and to get somebody else there, if it's not this year then into the future and again. The leadership at the top has to be somebody making this decision, and that's their most important hire, not the quarterback or not the gun. It's who runs this organization, and then, of course, getting the right coach in there. Well, that
0: covers the big three teams we wanted to talk about today. We talked about Michigan State football, Michigan State basketball, and just wrapped up the Detroit Lions with our New Year's resolutions. It's been quite all over the board with the turnover in the state and all the Unique developments that we have gotten to experience, but hey, it's a part of life. It's a part of sports and change is normal and good. And one very positive change I'm happy to have is to have you, Fred, as a part of the news team. Again, it's been very nice to have you aboard. Is there any projects that you can share or your role at Newsstand that you can share where people might be able to check you out within the near future?
1: Well, eventually when we resume the sports blitz and we're doing one this weekend, Saturday, kind of a special edition that I'll be involved in because of all the high school games being played, the playoff games on Saturday. And eventually I'll move into the role of co-hosting with Kellen Buddy that Friday night sports blitz for those basketball during the winter and football in the fall. And then I'll be reviving uh, an old feature of mine that I've done throughout my career called of human interest. Well, I'll be doing features with players, athletes, coaches, and uh, trying to go a little more in depth with them than just the, the sideline interview. So my of human interest features debut next week. Uh, and then uh, they'll continue on throughout the new year. So uh, where they will air yet, we don't know. It'll be at different spots in the newscast. I will keep you posted, but I'm excited about that. Excited to be a part of the Sports Blitz and excited to be here with you today.
0: And that's going to do it for today's edition of the WILX Sports Blitz podcast. It was great to have Fred on to talk with him about everything. And if you want to be sure to follow and find the latest developments that Fred is doing for News 10, make sure to follow us on social media. You can find more of News 10 by searching WILX News 10, numeral 1010, on Facebook. You can go to Twitter and also search us up that way as well. Search WILX TV. Follow us there. Also, please, for the podcast, you can find us anywhere you go to get your podcasts. iTunes, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, all those locations, you can download the WILX Sports Blitz podcast now. Please, please, please leave us a rating and a review. Those things are really, really huge as we are trying to develop and boost this. That does help their visibility. And also, in those places, leave a comment, leave a review, give us some feedback. You can also comment on the social media posts to let us know what you want to talk about, what you think of the shows as well. You can also follow me on social media @jgustin, at jgustin113. And if you're someone who's interested in more Pistons talk or Lions coverage or a thorough review of the Michigan State football and basketball season, all of those interviews are online as well. You can just download the earlier episodes. All of those are still great listens with Natalie Kerwin and Kellen Buddy of the WILX sports team as well. So thank you so much for listening. That'll do it for today. Please be safe. Take care of yourself. And hey, welcome to 2021. Talk to you next time.